Thanks for joining us today as you listen to a portion of a message recorded at Vine Life Church in Boulder, Colorado. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can visit us online at www.vinelife.com. As a people, Paul talks in uh, 1 Corinthians, I believe it's 1 Corinthians 14. He talks about order and worship. And uh, I'll find it later. You can go look it up. 13, 14, I think it is. And um, he's talking about love. He's talking about the gifts. And he starts talking about order and worship and how we're to conduct ourselves when we come together. And I think it's important when, when the Lord enters into a place as we're a company of his people, and the Lord brings different words and things begin to well up, and it's really evident that he's going different places. It's important that we know that our responsibility is to order ourselves with his order. And, and so what that means is sometimes we read that passage and we see it as a prescription of, okay, you do this, and then you do this, and then you do this, and that's what an orderly worship service looks like. And I don't believe that's what Paul... I don't, I, I don't believe that's what Paul was trying to come across. He wasn't, he wasn't trying to say, this is exactly how you do a worship service. What he was trying to emphasize is when God shows up in the room, there's a responsibility to order yourself around what he's doing. And so it's going to look a little bit different each time. It's going to look... A song is going to come up here, and a word is going to come up here, and a dream is going to be shared here, and then we're going to minister into this, and we're going to do a little of this and a little of that based on what he's doing. And then sometimes that means that we only have a couple minutes to talk and to actually get into a message, but you have to understand that we are here. We gather together as one because we know that his order is more important than our order. And so, God, thank you for your order in this place. Thank you that you know exactly how to lead us with a song from one and a hymn from one and a spiritual song from another and a dream and a little giggling over here and some healing oil and these things. And it's like you can't make this stuff up. And so anyways, so thanks for going with the flow. If that's not what you're used to, welcome to the party. So all right. Um, okay, so the last several weeks, you guys know, that I've just been doing this series, been called Signs of Life. And uh, from the beginning, it felt like it was appropriate for us to lean into this idea that God, God created us with intention um, to know how to grow up into all life and to strengthen, to bear fruit in every season. Uh, in fact, Lenny, uh, and maybe some of the other ushers have some, some of these handouts. And there's a kind of a recap on here that you can take a look at. And this is some of the weeks and some questions and scriptures that go with each week. And so you can, this would be a good quick reference guide for you. Um, but the idea, though, that we're kind of leaning into is that we're all getting older. Uh, but we're not all getting more mature. <laughs> And so there, when it comes to growth, when it comes to maturity, there's a certain partnership that's required with the Lord, and we get to enter into, um, we get to enter into growth. Now, what you're holding here is a recap of the different weeks. Um, you can look at that after the service, and uh, if you want to dig, dig deeper, you can do that. Um, 
And you can listen to these talks online as well. But we just talked about a series of being rooted in Christ and growing up into the trunk of family. And, and then, you know, how God sends us out from this place of family. He sends us out to be these unique branches. And ultimately, what we're talking about today um, is, is God's desire for fruitfulness. That God created us to be fruitful, not to just be busy, but to be fruitful. And uh, it's all over Scripture, okay? In fact, this is so important. Um, and and we, this is kind of the last week of this series, but in many ways, it's the place we, sh- we should have started. Because now when we read in Genesis, Genesis one twenty seven, one twenty eight, when God creates mankind, God creates us in his likeness, it says. He made us all in his likeness and in his image. And it says in verse 28, Genesis one twenty eight says, Then he blessed them, and he spoke a couple words to them, the first two words that God would ever speak to mankind are these words, be fruitful. And he blesses them, and it's somehow in this likeness, in this image, in this union with him, uh, that he, he says, be fruitful. The first instruction we've ever received, mankind ever received, was I want you now, out of this blessing, and out of this union and communion with me, out of this likeness, go be fruitful. Now we know when we read that passage, be fruitful, multiply, and he talks about having dominion over the earth and all of creation, we know that uh, oftentimes we read that and, and we know that has to do with having children a lot of times. But I don't want us to be limited there for a lot of reasons. First of all, it has more to do with having children. Being, living a fruitful life, you just need to know, has more to do uh, than having children. If, if that were the case, then, his, then, then he would have said something differently to his disciples when he told them to be fruitful because they wouldn't go on to have kids themselves. So, but this whole idea when he says be fruitful, the idea is I want you to prosper. I want you to take the reality of our relationship and I want you to multiply that and just move from this place. And I want you every place you go to carry this goodness and whatever is real between us be fruitful in that. Would you produce that in the earth and cultivate that in the earth so that in your labor and everything you get your hands on, you're making this world a better place. You're making this world more true of your relationship with me. So when he says be fruitful, it means so much more. And that's why I believe Jesus was very serious when he talked about being fruitful. So serious, in fact, that when he talked about being unfruitful, those are the types of passages that we, that we skip over in the scripture. You know what I'm talking about? Don't, don't look at me like you don't do that, all right? You read in the Gospels, Jesus says something uncomfortable, and like, all right, let's just get to the next part. But we have to take some of those things seriously. In, in particular, John 15, when he starts talking about vine and the branches, we love, I mean, I love, we've been talking about that for the last five weeks, but conveniently, I've skipped over the hard parts. I'll show you what I mean. In John 15, verse 2, he says, every branch in me that... that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does, does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. And then skipping down to verse 6, you know, in verse 5 he says, apart from me you can do nothing. And then verse 6 he says, if anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned, you know. And so those are the things you're like, all right, just read faster, read faster, you know, let's get to the next part. But we have to understand that even in these passages, Jesus is helping us understand what he's doing. Now, there's a couple things you need to know. That verse 2 where he says that, he, that, that every branch that does not bear fruit, he takes away. The Greek word for takes away is this, root, this word, ero, I believe, eros, 
or uh, I, I don't know how you pronounce it, but it's the word that one of the primary meanings is to lift up. Now, every translation of the Bibles you have will say take away, and I'm not saying that I have the right translation, but what I do know this, I do know is this. If you talk to any Israeli vine dresser, they'll tell you, it doesn't quite make sense to translate that as to take away, because if you're a vine dresser, you know that the branches that are bearing fruit are usually the ones that drooped and fell down to the ground. And so what a vine dresser does is oftentimes they'll take that branch and they'll lift it up and clean it off and fix it back to the trellis so that it will become fruitful another time. And so it's very possible that what Jesus is saying, listen, if you're not bearing fruit, I am committed to lifting you up, cleaning you up, and positioning you in a place where you'll be able to bear fruit again. And the reason that's important is because Jesus says a lot of other things that doesn't indicate that if, you, if you're just not fruitful, he's just going to cut you off right there. So the scripture is very clear, though, that he disciplines the ones he loves. So this has, should fill us with humility and a sober-mindedness. That God is serious about us bearing fruit. And then verse 6, we have to understand this about verse 6. I, I have no intention of sugarcoating anything. <clears throat> I don't think you can do this with verse 6. Where he says that if, you, if you're not abide, you're going to wither and be burned. But we have to understand, he's, just ta- he's talking about the reality of what it looks like to not abide. When a branch does not abide, it has no access to nutrients, it has no access to water or to life. And so the natural, uh, the natural thing that happens to dead wood is that it gets caught on fire, and the fires of this world were more susceptible. When we're not abiding, there are fires, there are things that we're caught up in. Most scholars don't believe this has to do with eternal judgment, but come on, there are fires burning that would love to burn you up, and it's only in abiding in him and having a life flow in Christ that we're able to walk through the fire and not be burned. So Jesus is saying, listen, if you want to avoid this idea of being burned up, just abide in me, for apart from me, you can do nothing, okay? And then there's there's another place that it really gets interesting, because in Mark chapter 12, Jesus He's walking along the road with his disciples. Or Mark, cha- Mark chapter 11, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. And it's one of those passages that, again, you read it and you don't know what to do with it, and so you just kind of move on. And it has to do with Jesus and his interaction with a fig tree. Okay? And so here's what it says. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, this is Mark 11, verse 12. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing in the, dis- in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not seasoned for figs. And he said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. Now, he goes to the temple, you know, has a little rodeo in the temple, gets back to the tree in verse 20. As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Okay, so I don't know about you, but every time before I've read this passage, my first instinct, if I was with, if I was one of the disciples and I kind of saw Jesus looking for something to eat and then the fig tree has no fruit and so he curses the tree, to me, it just sounds like Jesus needs a hug, you know? It's like, Jesus, come here, man. It's all right. It's, it's all right, Jesus. T- take it easy on the fig tree. Like, you don't, have to, you, don't need to cur- you don't need to curse the fig tree just because you're hungry. It's okay. It's not in season. Just relax on the fig tree for a second, Jesus. And I've always read that. I'm thinking, why? I, I, I don't understand what's going on here. What, why would... Why would he do that? I mean, nobody walks by the refrigerator when it has no food, you know, and you just get angry. 
may you be barren the rest of your years. You know, that doesn't happen. But Jesus essentially walks by this fig tree, and he sees that it has leaves on it, but it has no fruit. And then we see him say, may no, um, he says, may no one ever eat from you again. Now, just a little context. Here's what's happening here. This is really good. This is really important for us to know. If you kind of look at the surrounding chapters here, you see that this is kind of seated right after the events, what we call the triumphal entry. And so Jesus is about a week before he's about to be crucified. He rides into Jerusalem on a, on a, on a colt. And, and we read about people singing Hosanna. So, you know, Palm Sunday, right? Hosanna laying down palm branches, laying their coats. And they're, what they're doing is they're welcoming the Messiah, the reign of the new king. And so they had this idea of what it would look like for his kingship. And Jesus is like, guess again. And so he gets to Jerusalem. And then the next three things we see are just really interesting because he's welcomed as a king. And his first, kind of, his first three interactions as kind of this Messiah are, are just seemingly really strange. His first thing he does is he, he kills a tree. The second thing he does is he goes to the temple and makes a whip and starts t- putting over tables. And then he gets back to the tree and sees that it's withered, right? Now, there's things going on here. You have to understand all these passages. It's not just interesting stories like parables. What these are, they're prophetic pictures of what he came to establish, Okay. So when he goes into the temple and he fashions a whip and he turns over tables, he's speaking to an, uh, a religious construct that has sucked the life out of worship. It's turned God's house into a den of thieves and a den of robbers. And he's not happy with that and he won't have that. And so he, um, in a fit of of, of anger, really, is what it was. Um, he's angry, and he's filled with justice on behalf of what's appropriate in our relationship with God, and he turns over tables, and he has a, an exchange there. What he's doing, he's establishing, the, he's, established, he's establishing the environment of this new kingdom that he's come to bring, okay? And so this whole idea of the fig tree is, is really important because what's going on here is you need to know that, that fig, figs often represented Israel, and so as he came and from a long way off, he saw signs of life. He saw leaves on this tree. And he's expecting to go and to find fruit. And that's kind of the deal with fig trees. They bear figs before they bear leaves. And so he sees leaves and he's like, well, they must have figs because this is what it's designed to do. And he goes to the tree. And regardless of whether it's in season or out of season or how hungry he was, I, I believe that what is going on here is he is confronting a new system and he's establishing prophetically what life is supposed to look like in his kingdom and walking with him. Where, as he said, may, may, may you never bear fruit again. What he's doing is he's using this to say to his disciples and teach them about how he sees the nation of Israel and what they've done. And what he sees is that, yeah, there's signs of life, yeah, you got leaves. You look like you're alive, but you're not bearing fruit. You're not actually good for anybody. So all I'm going to, at this point, you're going to be barren from here on out. 
But it's important that we, under, we understand what's going on because I believe what he was speaking to the nation of Israel is what he's speaking as well to his disciples and it's the reality of the fact that all of us were designed, all of us were created not to be busy with activity that looks like life but to bear fruit that's good for the world. And the whole thing in John 15, if you look at it, the whole idea when he says abide in me, as he's also saying in that, it is possible to be connected to me, but not abide in me. Just as like it's possible to attend church services, but have no real relationship with them. It's like Keith Green said, you know, going to church makes you a Christian just as much as going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. And so we have to remember that in the kingdom of God, this is important for us, God does not measure our busyness. He measures our fruitfulness. And so when it comes to fruitfulness, then we begin to ask, what is good fruit? And it's exactly what you think it would mean. It's not really a trick question. When you walk by a fruit tree or a grapevine or anything like that, and when the branches are sent out to bear fruit, to occupy different spaces and to occupy different uh, areas, <clears throat> the idea is that Fruit is a great sense of nourishment. It satisfies us when we're hungry. It refreshes us when we need refreshing. And so in the same manner, I believe God sends us out as fruit trees, as branches, to go occupy a space so that we're close enough in proximity to people to where, uh, one, either they can access the fruit from the tree and from our lives, or two, we're close enough where we can just drop it into their lap. And the question for us here today, and I think it's a really important question, is when it comes to living lives of goodness, when it comes to evaluating the goodness that goes out from our lives, here's a couple interesting ways to look at it. The people that you work with, your boss and your coworkers, would they be disappointed if you quit tomorrow? Or would they be rejoicing about that? The neighborhood you live in, Would they see that as a disappointment if you moved away tomorrow? Or have you been able to cultivate such relationship and bring such life and such goodness that it would leave something missing in that place if you were to go somewhere else? And those are really important questions for us because we have to understand, we have to remember that Jesus, when he came, he was about goodness. And Acts 10.38 says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. He just went about doing good, and he healed people too. All that were oppressed by the devil, he just pushed back the forces of darkness. But, God, but Jesus had a certain sense where everything he did was for goodness sake. What would happen if we begin to live for goodness sake? What would happen if you were working for goodness sake? What would happen if you went home to your family and and, and cultivated an environment in your home and your neighborhood for goodness sake? We are called to be people that live for goodness sake. That that's how we're known. There's a no, we're known to leak, to, to spread, to, to display a part of God that only comes not from our best efforts, but through a life abiding in Him. And so that's why Paul, when he's talking about the natural outcome of what it lives like, looks like to live in the Spirit of God, he starts talking about what we know as the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. 
And so as we continue to walk in the Spirit, these things are cultivated for us to give as gifts to the world. And it's not just attitudes, but I I believe it's in the way we live our lives. And so Colossians um, Colossians 1.9 says it like this. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased praying for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So Paul's writing, and he gets to verse 10. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So our fruit is not just our attitude and behavior, but I also actually believe it's our work ethic and our labor. And so at some point, somebody separated those two. Somebody, somebody, we bought into this lie that our labor is peripheral to the kingdom of God. And what I would like to suggest to you today, but it, that the way we walk and the way we conduct ourselves, even in our labor, even in the things that we've been given to steward, speak everything about if we really believe that God is good and if he actually created us with intention. Because if, we, if he created us with intention, then that means that we're called to live with all intention, to live intentionally good lives. And so what that means is that we're not called just to spread Christian culture. We're called to manifest kingdom culture. And here, here's why that matters. Because some of us, when it comes to having a Christian business or being a good Christian when it comes to the workplace, a lot of times we we start thinking about the peripheral things about what we can do to send that message. And so if you're a banker, you know, uh, it, it would be easy to say, all right, I'm going to, in my bank, people are going to come in. Here's how they're going to know. We're going to have Christian music when they come in this place. It's just going to be blasting. It's going to be positive and encouraging, right? We're going to have tracks that we set out right, right on the front, you know, at the table as they come in. And they're, they're going to know right away on all of our checks. There's going to, they're not even going to see it. It's just going to be subliminal, but they're going to catch it. We're going to have a big fish watermark on the back of the check. The scripture, you cannot serve both God and money, you know. But, okay, so, so there's different ways to think about it. When it comes to living the kingdom life in the manner with which we walk. It could be playing Christian music on the radio and having fish on your checks. Or it could be just being a really, really good banker. I was hoping for another amen right there. (laughs) What if the things that we're given to steward, what speaks the loudest is when we do it so well that we're doing it for the glory of God. That if you're a banker, you know what? You bank with integrity. You create security. You have the, you're their best interest in mind. You do it so their lives are better for it. We are people of new creation called to improve every place where our feet walk. Every place we leave should be improved at the end of the day. That means if you're a plumber, again, it's awesome that you have the scripture on the side of your van. That's, that's great. I'm not knocking that. But I'm not going to hire you unless you're a really good plumber, okay? That means that you just plumb really well. It's awesome that you shared your testimony there, but if your plumbing sucks, then no one's going to hire you back, all right? It's not going to be good. You're not displaying goodness in that place. The things that God has given us to do, we're able to walk in all manner. We're able to display the goodness of God in those things. And there's something about the fruitfulness in them. There's a song that I love, my friend's loud harp that they wrote, and I, I just love this song. I think it speaks so much to 
the heart of what we're doing at Vine Life and, and what's, what sits, I think, in the fabric of what God's calling us into. And it comes from Psalm 73, and Asaph writes this song, and he says, God, the nearness of you is my only good. And, it, and we are a community that, that presses into the presence of God, and we rejoice that God is near. And we, I rejoice in the promise that his nearness inherently is my good, and you are good too. But if God's nearness is our good, then that means our nearness should be the world's good. If his presence means our good, then your presence means your neighborhood's good. Your presence means your workplace is good. For goodness sake. This is what we've been called into. And I love hearing these stories of these things happening, these things going out, that we're getting, like we talked about last week, we have the gather church, but is anybody excited about the scattered church? This, the church that drives away from this place. I get more excited about the empty parking lot too because I know that each car represents somebody going out. And if we have a lens of what we're created for, a lens that, man, God, as I abide in you, again, now I'm not going to white-knuckle this thing. I'm not just going to try to produce fruit. You don't just produce fruit. Fruit is the natural result of a life lived in the abiding awareness of his presence, of being connected in the family of God, of growing in our unique um, giftings and placements. And from that place, we get to enjoy with the world the fact that God's good. We get to live with a smile on our face and just know that, listen, we are kept, we are held. We have been sucked up into this kingdom, which is good. And I'm praying, and I, I hope that you're continuing to pray. We are a people. that These are the stories that we're going to share. Okay? You are called into a powerful ministry. Ministry is not reserved for a church building. Okay? You are equipped. You are called. Now go bear fruit. Be good. Just be good. Let's stand together today. And I'm going to pray, and then i got a couple other things I'm going to share with you real quick. And then Bob's going to come. Father, I thank you for this community. I thank you for life in this place. We thank you for your presence here this morning. And I thank you, Jesus, that you've called us. Oh, you've called us out upon the water. And I thank you, God, for where we go from even here today. And um, Jesus, we take seriously your call for us to bear fruit. And I pray that in our lives, God, in any way that we have been disconnected or maybe we felt connected but we haven't been abiding, I pray that you would show us those things. We thank you, Jesus, for the way you lift us up, you clean us off, and you know exactly what to cut off, what to cut away, and how to position us for people to know who you are through us, God. I thank you that we are the sense people of God. We love you, Jesus. Amen. All right, sit down again real quick. I forgot. I got to tell you something else. Which is crazy because we're already 10 minutes past. All right. Um, Okay, so here's the deal. Um, One of the things that we wanted to share with you here today is as we uh, come into the fall, as we come to the end of the summer, uh, there's some things as a leadership, some goals that we're working towards that we think are just going to be awesome for our community. And uh, 
there's three things in particular that we felt like we wanted to continue to do here as a community. Obviously, you've known that we've been through certain levels of transition and leadership and, and just a few things swirling here and there. Um, and so there's, as we work towards September, at the end of the summer, when school starts back up, there's a few things that we want to do. And there's a couple things in particular, goals. is uh, The first thing we want to do is continue to unify the body here. The second thing was we want to make equipping opportunities more accessible. We believe... Um, that all of us um, should be in a continual growth development. Equipping isn't for one stage of life, it's for all of life. We are continu- we are, we are called to continue to develop who we are um, to be kingdom people, to manifest his goodness. And so that's the second thing. The third thing was to connect each other to the life of the community. Now, um, f- these kind of three different goals have different things attached to them. Okay, first thing is this. Um, s- uh, as you know, uh, several weeks ago, when we did Fourth of July weekend on July sixth, we did a ten a.m. service, and the entire family was here to be a part of that, and it was awesome. And did you guys enjoy that one? It was so fun. And I think um, uh, what it's very apparent when we do those things is there's something so special about bringing the whole family and the whole body together. There's something about us knowing who we're working with and all of us being in one place at, at the same time. And so we believe that the Lord is doing this. We believe that he is um, wanting us to stay in step with that um, for this next season. And so starting September 7th, uh, we are going to be doing uh, moving to one single 10 a.m. service every Sunday morning. Um, yeah. And... Uh, we believe that this provides different opportunities. First of all, it, uh, um, it helps our volunteer force as, as they're working so hard. Our volunteers do so much, uh, and they serve in so many ways. And this is going to help us be really consistent. And instead of doing two services, we can do one awesome service, pool our energies and our best efforts together just to just be awesome at what we do, okay? Um, but the second thing this does for us is it opens up a new opportunity in the early morning hour. And when we talk about Vine Life University, which is Vine Life's, you're going to hear about more of this in the next two weeks, but Vine Life's um, uh, 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 ministry and, and vision and, and uh, strategy to continue to equip all of us for the work of ministry, we wanted more opportunities that didn't involve you know, uh, going to school for a full year or having to quit your job or pay thousands of dollars. We wanted this to be more accessible to more people. And so um, starting in September, as we move to one service, we're going to launch some Sunday morning, uh, early Sunday morning classes and one in the afternoon. So VU, you'll be able to come in at 8.30 and take a class from 8.30 to 9.45, and there will be child care provided. And, uh, and then you'll be able to join us, and everybody will come together at 10 o'clock for a single service, and we'll just wor- worship as a family together, okay? And so, again, next week you're going to hear from Ed uh, and, and Bob over the next couple of weeks and a bunch of our students about why equipping is so important. It's not just an option. It's something that we are called into. The third thing is this. This, 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 is, this is a big deal as well. As we use the family language around here, sometimes we talk about ourselves as the family of God. Um, it's really important that that heart and DNA is expressed in every fiber of what we're doing. And one of the places that uh, more recently um, we've been talking about, and we've had some of our leaders approach us about wanting to launch this uh, kind of a new function here or revive an old function, is as we move to single service, um, we wanted to make sure that every person that comes in our doors, um, every person deserves to be seen, 
to be known, to be welcomed warmly, to know how to get connected, to know what the next steps are, to know how to get downstairs in this myriad of hallways to get down to Kids Quest and to know how to get to youth group. And we wanted to launch in September uh, what we're calling a connect team, okay? And this is very important because anytime you have somebody over to your house for dinner, the first thing you do is you welcome them at the door. You don't just expect them to make their way into the kitchen. And uh, some of you have been doing a great job at greeting at the doors here and and some of the other doors, but in a lot of ways, we want to come back together. We want to revive this because we believe that as God continues to bring guests and families and visitors here, we want them to know that we don't just talk about family, that we do family, that it matters to us, okay? And so uh, there's some things that go along with that, but we want to invite you to be a part. On the back table, there's, uh, there's going to be a couple clipboards. And this is really, this, if this is something you want to do, if it's something you think needs to happen, I want to encourage you to be part of this team. What it requires is probably most likely uh, a team where if you, the week that you're on, you show up 15, 20 minutes before service, and you're at the doors positioned, and we want to make sure everybody knows what's going on, everybody's welcome warmly, and then probably 15 minutes after the service as well, so we can connect back with those guests, answer any questions they have, and get them mid into what we're doing and what God's doing here, Right? And so if, if you want to be a part of that, and I would strongly encourage you, when I say strongly, it means strongly, go sign up for this team. This matters, okay? You can call it greeters, you can call it connect team, you can call it hospitality team, whatever you want. All you need to know is this matters because we are sending a message every, every step of the way of what God we serve and what God we believe in and what he's doing here at Bind Life. Does that make sense? So I want you to go sign up for that team. It's going to be awesome. We're really excited about the changes coming, and we're grossly over time right now. So Bob, would you please uh, come and close this out?